It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. Welcome in to the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening to today's show. On today's show, I have with me Joel Luckup. He is back for more to talk with me joel how are you doing today sir uh i'm doing i'm doing really well thank you i appreciate you coming on and you had mentioned to me and this is pretty awesome your son just completed a feat that we've not seen too much in baseball this year do you mind telling me a little bit about that yeah well he just pitched a complete game now granted it was only five (laughs) innings because they they 10 run ruled the team but uh the kids at his level are an 80 pitch limit so he was able to stay under 80 pitches through five innings struck out 10 batters uh so yeah it it was easily the best game he's ever pitched so it was pretty exciting that's the model of efficiency keeping it under 80 with 10 k's and five that that's what's up yeah yeah didn't allow too many base runners that is all right. Hey, he had a much better game pitching than the Reds did on Wednesday, but uh, we won't get into that. I definitely tore that game apart on Thursday's podcast, so yeah. I won't, won't go too crazy with it. Um, I do want to start off, and he's kind of been the guy that ever, that's on everyone's mind. I mean, Lance McAllister even had a poll question that said, who's been the most disappointing Reds hitter other than Joey Votto? Now, Obviously, with the basic statistics, his average, his power numbers, all that stuff is way down. But I'm looking at some of the peripherals compared to his career stats and even compared to some of the projections that they had for him this season. And, like, for starters, his batting average on balls in play is way low. Am I overgeneralizing by looking at numbers like that and thinking that he is due for a renaissance sooner rather than later? Um, if you go to the next level of peripherals, I think, uh, I think you're going to be very disappointed. So if you, if you look at a lot of the stat cast numbers, um, 
you know, how often he's hitting the ball hard, what you would expect his batting average to be, you know, based on how he's been hitting the ball or his slugging percentage on based on how he's been hitting the ball. All of those are, they're, frankly, they're pretty awful. Um, his expected batting average is only 210, and I think he's hitting, what, 208 or something like that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's really not that far off for how he's hitting. Uh, and then the other thing is his strikeout rate is is really up over what it's been the last couple of years. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's very, very much he's, he's in, uh, he's in a troublesome zone right now. And I wish that I had better news and I wish I could come out and say, Oh, well, this number tells me right away that he's going to get better. But, uh, until he figures, until he figures out how to start hitting the ball hard more often, uh, I mean, clearly every once in a while he hits the ball well and you kind of get your hopes up and you're like, maybe maybe he's starting to get it figured out. Um, he he needs to do that on a more frequent basis before I I personally will say, yeah, he's starting to pull himself out of this. That's the one thing I've noticed that's been so troubling is that strikeout percentage and even his walk percentage is down. And we're talking about the man that everyone complains that he walks too much. Now he's not doing it enough. Is Is there some sort of statistic that you look for maybe over the course of like a week or two to change that would give you some bit of hope that he's going to turn around? Um, At this point, at this point, honestly, I think uh, like, I think part of the reason his walk rate is down is because I think pitchers aren't afraid to pitch to him right now. And I think the reason pitchers aren't afraid to pitch to him right now is because he he very rarely is putting good swings on the ball. And so, um, you know, perhaps, perhaps uh, I, I think, I think if we start seeing more contact, maybe you'll start seeing more walks, um, pat, you know, after that point. Uh, but, you know, if pitchers feel like they can go ahead and throw, you know, throw pitches into the strike zone on him, um, you know, and not and not have to be too concerned about him putting in the seats or even hitting a you know a solid double somewhere. Uh, you know, until that starts happening, I think you're going to see pitchers just keep challenging him. And unfortunately, I think that means that you know, uh, until he starts hitting the ball hard, we're not going to see much difference. Is it explainable by looking at like I know we've been talking about his hard hit percentage and. Um, exit velocity and all that stuff. But when it comes to the type of pitches, is there any one type that has been his kryptonite or is it just kind of a mix? Um, I feel like it's just a mix. Uh, I have not, I haven't seen specific numbers on pitches that he's having issues with. Um, but I will say that, I mean, you know, there, there, he, one thing I will, I mean, I would like to see this. I have not seen a graph on this, but it, it does feel a lot like, um, the outer edges of the strike zone are against him right now. Uh, you know, that umpires are giving, you know, that he, he's not seeing the same strike zone that he used to see. Mm-hmm. And he's not getting the benefit of the doubt from the umpires. So I feel like, you know, he's been taking a lot of called strike threes, especially. And um, I think that that is partly due to not seeing the same strike zone that he's used to seeing. Now, uh, in terms of specific pitches, um, honestly, I don't think, I, I think whatever is the pitcher, a pitcher's good pitch right now gets Joey out. I, I just don't think that he is doing anything right now, um, 
that is forcing a pitcher to throw a pitch they don't want to pit, throw. Well, I'll tell you, I do like to get my bad news before I get my good news, and we're going to jump into some good stuff here. I do promise that. Um, and right and right away, I'm going to shift gears here to a guy that we all had a lot of promise, a lot of hope for whenever he came up. And, and I don't, it's not changed, anyway. The way that I worded that kind of sounded funny. But when I, when I look at Nick Senzel, he's had a lot of good, and he has had some bad, which comes with being a rookie. And I know that at least today there was um, a couple of people on the wonderful Twitter.com that were disparaging some comments that Marty had made about him on the radio broadcast and some of the plays that he was doing. But when it comes to his rookie season, what do you look for to say, you know what, this is a success? Like, are you expecting him to come out and bat uh, maybe not even 300, like 290? Um. You know, I think more the most important thing is that he just keeps uh, he keeps having quality at bats, which he he has a lot of quality at bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes deep into counts. Um, you know, he hits the ball hard frequently. Um, you know, I I think hopefully by the end of the season you're going to see you know maybe 15 home runs, maybe um, maybe a 280 batting average. Maybe a 350 on base percentage, uh, but but right now I think it's just important that he keeps getting quality at bats. I think the good thing about Nick Senzel is that um, I, the other night I think it was Jim Day or Jeff Pecora, one of the two, asked him uh, what he felt like he needed to work on, and he said everything, because if you ever stop working on everything, then you might as well go ahead and hang up your cleats. Um, I think that's a good sign for a player in, at his stage that that he's he is willing to work, put it into work on everything and recognizes that, uh, getting to the show isn't all the, you know, isn't the final goal that the final goal is to keep improving. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, there, there aren't specific numbers that I'm looking at. I, you know, I'm hoping that he'll be upper two hundreds, you know, maybe 300 low, th- maybe he'll get to 300 as a batting average at some point. He may <laughs> not finish there, but you know, I'd like to see him put together a hot streak. Um, and I'm sure it's there. Heck, there are a lot of guys on this team. I'd like to see put together a hot streak. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we, we keep, we keep sitting around waiting for all, you know, we keep this offense has potential, but um, I think he'll be all right. I think, I think he's done pretty well for, you know, for a rookie that's been thrust to the top of the lineup and had, comes up with a lot of expectation and frankly came up without a lot of, uh, plate appearances to get timing down and all that. So, um, after the injury, so, uh, to be able to start, uh, picking up good at bats right out of the get go in the big leagues, uh, was a pretty good sign. I think. What's your evaluation of the way that they've used him so far? Cause I know that in the off season, whenever everyone was kind of looking at Nixon Zell being brought up this season, they all sort of had a consensus of like, okay, maybe he bats like sixth or seventh, maybe even fifth for a little while, and then they bump him up to the top of the lineup. With the way that the lineup has been, I understand why they did that, but what's your take on that? I don't Personally, I don't have any problem with that. If it's a guy, a confident hitter, um, you know, I, I say bat him wherever you need to bat him. Um, and, and just tell him, you know, look, we just want you to go out there and get on base or we just want you to go out there and have good at bats. Uh, where are you particularly bad in the middle or in the lineup? Um, you know, a leadoff hitter 
you only you're only guaranteed that one leadoff at bat. After that, you know, you're just in the the loop of the batting the batting order anyway. So you know, I, I'm okay with it. You know, there may be there may be a guy that maybe is a little less confident in himself. Um, I wouldn't necessarily do that with, but a guy like Senzel who seems very confident in his abilities, uh, I'm perfectly all right with batting him wherever you need to bat him. I have been very um, impressed. I couldn't think of that word. Sheesh. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been very impressed with him so far since he's come up. And just his professionalism, his demeanor at the plate. How many... I mean, I, I've watched a lot of baseball this year, the past couple of years. But how many guys have you seen come up straight from the minor leagues and just have that sort of almost swagger in the batter's box? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rare, um, especially from the Reds' perspective. A lot of times, uh, they'll bring guys up, and the the guys will get spot starts and things like that. You, I mean, you think of like Jesse Winker. I think Jesse Winker kind of had that swagger, but he didn't get the opportunity. Um, you know, he didn't get when he was brought up. He didn't get regular starts, uh, and really. Um, it's been a while since, you know, the Reds called a guy up and just gave him, you know, gave him the starting position and, and, you know, he did what he wanted, you know, or told him to go out and do whatever you can do with it. And so, um, you know, it's hard to think of, you know, obviously somebody like Jay Bruce came up and was incredibly hot right out of the gate. Um, you know, uh, but I, I'm trying to think of other guys. Um, that came up and were given the starting position. Maybe Zach Cozart, but then he got hurt uh, within the first couple of weeks of his uh, big league career. So um, there just haven't been a lot of them lately. Not since Joey and Jay, really. He's the prince that was promised, and hopefully he has more of an effect on the Reds than the prince that was promised had on Game of Thrones. But um, <laughs> I don't. Know I don't get he... that reference. I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but I'm sure it's. You, yeah, I'm sure you nailed it. That is, yeah, <laughs> that's that's so great. Um, I won't get into all that. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Let's talk about ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter is the kind of website that gets your company the person that you need to fill that job posting with flying colors. What am I talking about? When you post with ZipRecruiter, they send your job post to hundreds of sites across the internet. And it's actually been shown, statistically shown, that 80% of employers who post through ZipRecruiter receive a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. You don't have to wait very long. You only got to go to bed one time, and then boom, you got a qualified candidate right in your inbox. ZipRecruiter is that awesome. And right now, through this podcast, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on, and you get an introductory offer in which ZipRecruiter allows you to use to you know your first post for free. That's your first post job posting with ZipRecruiter for free through this special link, ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. The Locked On Reds podcast is also brought to you today by Hotels.com. Do you want to travel and get rewarded for it? Head on over to Hotels.com. They've got a great rewards program. I myself am a part of that as I booked my trip coming up here in a few months through Hotels.com. Definitely recommend them. Check them out. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We're back here on this phone in Friday talking with Joel Luckup. And Joel, I actually kind of want to start this second half a little bit off the rails. One of the biggest, not really debates, just the, the two camps that have been formed this baseball season in particular, it seems, analytics versus not analytics. What is the role that analytics should play on a team. Like I know the biggest thing that I've seen on Twitter, most people say about David Bell is, hey, it's time to put down the iPad. Like, I don't think he's doing that. But I mean, you know, what kind of value do people miss when it comes to just completely, you know, forgetting about analytics? Um, so... The interesting argument to me, and and one that I'm I'm having still having trouble balancing out, is the fact that people seem to really hate how David Bell manages the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, the pitching staff has been the only bright spot on this team, <laughs> and and so, like I I have a hard time figuring out how to how you equate those two or how you you know balance that, and so. Um, Personally, I, like I, I don't want a manager who manages strictly by analytics because there are times when you have to recognize, and I think he's done that a little, done this a little more lately. But you, time you have to recognize that, hey, this starting pitching, is, this starting pitcher is is doing all right. You know, he's getting the job done. I don't need to force, you know, force myself into the bullpen already. He did it with Sonny Gray in his last start, mm-hmm. um, and let him get through that sixth inning. And, and I think that's, so there's a little bit of an art form to it. Now, that being said, um, you need to, you, you need to have a well-defined strategy and that's where analytics comes in. So if you have a well-defined strategy of, okay, I am not going to let this pitcher get beaten this situation, uh, especially if it's like the third time through the order or whatever. Um, and then you have to stick to those kinds of decisions because the point of analytics is not that it's going to work 100% of the time, but it should theoretically work more often than it doesn't. And so this is like the you know you, you hear a lot of people complain about all oh, the shift you know that wouldn't have been a hit if the shift hadn't been there, but you don't always hear a lot about you know well you know the shift saved us four different hits earlier you know in the game, right. um, and it's. The, the, again, the point of analytics isn't to be perfect on every play. It's to take the higher percentage uh, probability that something is going, you know, that you, of what you expect to happen in that situation and to play, you, you know, to play the percentages. And, and, you know, I think the people that are bothered by the iPad and the, and the <laughs> clubhouse um, are really just bothered by the fact that things are done differently than they used to be. And, uh, and if there isn't, uh, I mean, I, I mean, Brian Price used to manage pretty old in a pretty old school fashion. 
and the results weren't any good. So why would you be so beholden to something like that just because that's the way it's always been done? Um, you know, the Astros are a pretty darn good team. Now they have a lot of talent as well. They have a lot more talent than the Reds have, but they've used analytics very well and very effectively to squeeze out extra runs here and extra wins there. So, No, and I agree with you. It's, you know, it's like you said, it's mitigating risk. And for every hitter that is able to hit a slow dribbler down the third baseline to beat the shift or, you know, first base, vice versa, there's three or four hitters that think that they can still hit their normal way and beat the shift. And then there's your out. So you're right. It's not a hundred percent, but it's enough that there's no reason to ignore it. And I'm with you. I think that there's a lot of feel that David Bell has come into. And even in the interview that C. Trent Rosecrans had with Scott Shebler for The Athletic, he had mentioned that analytics are analytics and some guys just like to know their role before they get to the ballpark and there's a human element, things like that. And a lot of people took it as he was throwing David Bell under the bus for using analytics, but I took it as, hey, the players were adjusting as much as the managers were. That's how little analytics were used for the Reds in years past. Right, and I, you know, I... I've heard through channels that a lot of the players are happy with the way scheduling has been done for, for if you're going to play that day, you know, if knowing a couple of days in advance, whether or not you're playing. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, it's different and it does feel a little, um, not necessarily the, the, it doesn't always seem like the smartest way to run things because if a guy appears to be getting hot and then you already have a pre-scheduled day off for him, you know, that might seem like it's getting in the way, but it, you know, I think it might also balance out a little bit with the, uh, the mental health aspects of trying to play a 162 game season as well. It's something that, especially when you allude to the pitching staff, I think at the end of the season and what people aren't thinking, you know, they look at each loss in a vacuum as if they just lost game seven of the world series. And it's like, that's not the case. I think when we get to the end of the season and we look back at how everything was handled as a whole, I think we're going to be happy with the results. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, is they just have better pitchers this year. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that's, that's step one. Now that I, th- I think they are outperforming expectation. Um, nobody thought that they were going to lead the league in the ERA or even be in the top two or three, sure. but um, just, frankly just having better pitching is you know a good start so let's dive into that a little bit when i look at the pitching staff and i'm not definitely not expecting them by any stretch of the imagination to maintain the best era but what are some of the numbers that you look at and you're like you know what this is not it's not only is it not a fluke it's something that they can keep up throughout the course of the season um you know, I, I think the one thing that impresses me is these guys strike a lot of guys out. And I never would have thought that looking at – I mean, outside of Castillo, I never would have thought that looking at these guys coming into the season. Uh, I think part of that is because they are um, – you know, they're, they've probably been told, hey, look, go out and go full force for four or five innings. And if you only get five innings, then you're de- – I mean, we're happy with that. Um, so, you know, from the starting pitcher's perspective, 
they they really are doing a pretty good job of striking guys out. And if you can strike guys out, those are those are pretty good outs to get. Um, from the bullpen's perspective, you know, they were pretty good last year. Uh, I I expected them to be decent. Um, I figured we'd see from some fall off on David Hernandez and Jared Hughes over what we got out of them last year. Did not expect to see Amir Garrett and Michael Lorenzen be as studly or Robert Stevenson for that matter to be as yeah. studly as they've been so far this year. Um, but I, you know, I, uh, I think that the bullpen's a solid bullpen. Um, you're going to have bumps in the road at some point. Uh, and that, that wouldn't be surprising. I think that's probably true for the starting rotation as well. I think they're going to have games, you know, I mean, Luis, Luis Castillo has been a great pitcher. It's really hard to maintain an ERA under two. Um, you know, it, it, there's a reason why it doesn't happen that often. Even great pitchers, you know, don't do it that often, especially great pitcher, you know, and then if you put a great pitcher in a, in a hitter friendly park, it's going to be even more difficult. So um, I would not expect Luis Castillo to finish the season with a, an ERA under two, uh, but you know, a two an ERA of two and a half, that's still really good. And, uh, um, you know, getting guys like Tanner Roark and Tyler Malley to have an ERA in the three to three and a half range. I mean, that's not unreal, unrealistic. Uh, both of those guys are going to give you a, enough good starts. Uh, I like to say that you know, Tanner Roark kind of plays that Bronson Arroyo role. He's going to go out there and get blown up probably every once in a while, but he's going to give you more good starts than bad starts. And that's really what you need from guys like that. So the big question mark for me still is Sonny Gray. I'm, I'm interested to see if he can get a little bit closer back to, you know, he looked really good this week, but he walked too many batters. Um, I'm interested to see if he can kind of get back to some of that success that he had in Oakland and uh, and maybe put together a stretch of, uh, you know, 10 starts or so where, he, you know, he's really fairly dominant again. He's one dude that's really – intrigued me a lot because when he's good he's really good mm -hmm. but but if he has kind of a an okay start maybe something where he scatters a lot of hits or pitches out of a couple of jams you'll usually hear him say after the fact that he's like you know just went and spin him a curveball like i normally do or anything like that does it is it one of those things where even though that is his best pitch, it's just a hard pitch to replicate and that his curveball just falls off the table? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's pitching's hard. Um, yeah. If there's one thing I've learned in this in, in getting to work with Chris Welsh and Jeff Brantley, it's that, that pitching consistently on a day to day basis is really hard because there's a lot of factors that go into uh, whether or not you can maintain the, your pitch quality. Um, and so, if you are dependent on a on a a high spin pitch like a, a curveball. I, I imagine there's going to be some days when you can't just get the right feel for it. You can't get your release point in the right spot. You can't get the right pressure on the ball to make it spin the way you need to spin it. Um, and, and I imagine that's going to be, I mean, we saw today in today's game with Luis Castillo that the changeup just wasn't doing what it normally did. And uh, there's honestly, there's just going to be days like that. Um, the, the real question is now Castillo has, you know, he's got some high velocity that he can work with too. And his slider's improving. 
So, you know, having that's why the, the value of having, you know, more than two pitches, because you can get away if you have to get away from one of those key pitches because it's just not working for you that day, then you you know, you might have a little more success. Um I'm not sure I'm not sure if Sonny Gray, I mean his fastball helped him out uh this week, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if Sonny Gray is uh the kind of pitcher that can um can afford to have his breaking pitch fall fall apart like if he can still get away with it like like Castillo maybe can if his if he doesn't have his best change up that day let's hone in real quick on the bullpen looking at a couple of different guys Rysel Iglesias it's interesting because looking at his numbers just real quick he's still got a very nice strikeout percentage at 32 just over 32 percent and his walk percentage isn't terrible it's just he's been bitten really hard by the home run. Being relief pitching and being as volatile as a position, what what do you think? I mean, I know he just got a, a long-term deal to buy out his arbitration. What do you think his leash is this season? Is it something where you could see Amir Garrett maybe flashing into the role of bullpen ace maybe they split it or is it his for pretty much the entire year unless he just really goes off the rails well i i don't expect that he's going to fully go off the rails but i would think that i think the the thing that is more at risk is if he has attitude issues um if, if he does something to where david bell looks at him and just says you're not worth the effort to me uh, that that would probably be the bigger risk, uh, simply because um, you know complaining about pitching in non-save situations. I imagine right now David Bell is like, okay, fine, we'll try to deal with it. But if that continues to be an issue, um, I I don't think he'll put up with it forever. I think eventually he'll say, fine, you know, you don't like the role you're in, then you're going to go into, we're going to demote you into uh, an even lesser role until you get your attitude fixed. Um, And, and it's weird to say that as somebody who's more of an analytics person, but I, you know, there is a a interpersonal dynamic at play there uh, that can't be, that shouldn't be taken for granted. Um, And, you know, the manager has to trust that if he's going to put a guy out there in a certain situation that he's going to get the guy's best effort. And if he feels like uh, Iglesias is going out there in a tie game or something like that and is not giving him his best effort because he's, because it's not a quote unquote safe situation, then, um, then he's, he's not going to put up with it. Uh, and it, and it, he shouldn't because as a manager, it's your job to put the best players out there in the best situations. And as good as Rysel Iglesias can look, if he's going to be given up, uh, you know, hits and bombs uh, simply because he doesn't, he's not in the moment. Um, then you got to find somebody else that can put themselves in that moment. What's been the cowboy and Chris Welsh's take on Zach Duke? Uh, you know what? I haven't, I haven't really had any conversations with them about Zach Duke. I mean, Zach Duke's a loogie and yeah. that's, that's really, it's been his role for I don't know, several years now. He consistently has more uh, more games than innings pitched. I mean, heck, last year he pitched in 72 games and only had 52 innings. <laughs> um, you know, so if there's if there would be an issue that I have with Zach Duke, it's he's probably not being completely 
strictly used uh, strictly in the role that he should be used in. Right. Yeah, no, and I can see that. I think early on he pitched a lot against righties, and he just that was something that made no sense because you're right. Like whenever they brought him in, it seemed very obvious that he was going to be the loogie on the staff. And then early in the season, it seemed as though they were pitching him against righties almost as much as lefties, if not more. And then they would only pitch Amir Garrett against lefties. And I don't know, it seemed all backwards to me and, and all that. They've changed that though. I mean, Garrett's been pitching. Garrett's been getting full innings and doing his job. I've been so happy with him here lately. He's been, he's just been dominating. Yeah. But I tell you, Joel, I appreciate you having, jumping on here with me this week. Um, When it comes to looking ahead and the Reds have been to this point a little disappointing. What is the point of no return for you that you're just like, okay, maybe it is time to call this what it is and start looking to sell off some of these one-year players? See, here's the thing for me is I, I did not think they were a playoff team when the season started. I thought they were about a 500 team when the season started and, um, and I still don't see any reason to think any different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're only what? as of right now, five games under 500. I don't know what they'll be on Friday, obviously, but, um, so like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, there is no point of no return for me. There is a, uh, there is a, if an offer comes to you for Yasiel Puig that you feel like will improve the future of your team, then by all means, take it. You know, I I don't think there's any point in a lot of these guys that are probably not going to be part of your next great team. There's no point in holding on to those guys just to hold on to them. Um, You know, there's no value in trying to squeeze out an 82nd win this year, if I, you know, honestly. Um, But uh, that being said, I don't I'm not of the opinion that they that they should fire sale or anything like that. just the guys, the guys that aren't going to be around, look at dealing them. The guys that may be around, um, you know, unless you unless you get wowed by an offer, hold on to them. You can find Joel Luckup on Twitter at JLuckup. Joel, I really appreciate talking to you, man, and hopefully get to talk to you sometime here soon. Yep, anytime. That'll do it for this week here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya podcasting app. Check us out on social media at Twitter at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And then head over to LockdownReds.com. Some brand new content up there by Dave Pemberton looking at David Bell's thought process and the way that he approaches his decisions during the game and how he might be able to change that a little bit for the better. That'll be it for this week. You guys have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is Jeff Carr, and this is the Lockdown Reds Podcast. I'll see you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 